Hello everyone, Tyler here. Send help, all we have in the Desert is Beer and Movies podcast contains explicit language and covers rated R movies. So, listener discretion is advised. So, I figured out how to get Peeves to fuck off when he like comes and uh, licks your nose and stuff. Literally just grab his face and just away from you. Yeah, he doesn't really like being touched in the face, but he also doesn't realize that other people also do not like being touched in the face. Not the face. Not, not the, the face. face. Not the face. This is my moneymaker. It's my moneymaker. <laughs> yeah, I, I did that last night uh, at like 2.30 in the morning, and he just kind of like, well, okay then, I'll just go sit over here. Yeah, he's he's been a needy little fuck lately. He's always been a needy little fuck. I know, but like... A lot more than usual. <laughs> like, 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 I've never so really, say. never really noticed how uh, <laughs> he's never really needed human attention this much. But he's always been around a dog. So when, like, when there's a dog around, he'll follow that dog around and cuddle up with the dog. And so now that there's no dog around, I think he's just overcompensating with humans. Because him and Mac were like tight, toy like a tiger. Yeah, but him and Doc weren't. Him and Doc were, I mean, when Doc was calm. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's okay. I sent you that video of a bunch of other black labs. I so know. I loved feel... it. Thank you so much. <laughs> I know. And it's like, why? you're <laughs> 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 like, because Kendra likes black labs. Just fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it. Just go. Dance, Dance. monkey. Dance, Dance monkey. <laughs> Oh, Ted is so great. Yeah. Uh, the little the puppy puppy. Yeah. yeah. He's a name for Ted Mosby. Mm. When, so uh, they like, they love How I Met Your Mother? I guess so. Yeah. We actually kept making fun of it saying, yeah, he's actually named for um, Ted Bundy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dad, Dad was like, yeah, he's, uh, he's killed 27 rabbits and he's still at large. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Send Help. All we have in the desert is Beer and Movies Podcast. A day late. But you know what? It was a holiday weekend. So our two listeners can go ahead and just accept it. I mean, even though it was a holiday weekend, it was also the fact that I was out of town until Sunday night. So... Yes. I, I don't know if you guys have ever been on long trips. Uh, you don't want to do fucking anything when you get back. You just nope. want to fucking chill. In fact, I really wanted to take today off. This is the Monday after getting back that we were recording this. Yes. Uh, I really wanted to take today off because I really, really wanted just a recovery day. Yep. I considered just doing that. <laughs> but he didn't. And good things are in the works. And yeah, I, we'll I, see what happens from there. If anything, I went to work just to check my email <laughs> <laughs> that, that was what i was waiting for i was like please please god just give, give me, me this an email. <laughs> yes. yes anyway okay also the, with my trip to texas i yes, brought 12 a shit beers eight eight, eight eight different beers eight different i brought beers with back. me and thanks to local our, shout out to our first sponsor <laughs> our mother <laughs> who refuses to listen to this because we're vulgar as fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she was saying that she was listening to the uh, Beetlejuice podcast uh, episode, and she could not make it through it. Like, she couldn't make it to where we started talking about the movie because she found it to be too vulgar. The cussing was one thing. 
the subject matter of what we were talking about was a whole different story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's like, she you mean pearls. they kiss their mother with that mouth? I'm their mother. I don't want them kissing me with that mouth. <laughs> and also, we don't kiss our mother, like, yeah. ever. So. Um, so the first beer, the first Texas beer. Is uh, Tupps National Standard Blonde Ale, which is uh, 5.2%. Uh, the Tufts Brewery uh, pack that we got on each of them actually has, like, a little... Uh, scale for like malt profile hop profile drinkability i think drinkability if they don't have them completely filled every time then they're being a little bit too honest yeah right um because it is their own beers so yeah. they're like uh, this one's like uh, 2.5 drinkable <laughs> so crisp and crushable hasn't that always been our collective standard built for the lake the pool the game the patio and the party the you get the idea it's what we do best yes it's uh, very very light oh yeah it's it a is very an light incredibly beer. light beer it's a 5.2 percent alcohol by volume uh brewed by tupps brewery in uh, mckinney texas yep which um which sweet. is just north of dallas yes um it's a cool can too it's like um it's Oops. very clean and very american the mic there. <laughs> yeah <laughs> fuck you mike oh, i think i I think I know the uh, water tower that's on it. <laughs> is it the old? Is it the old one? Uh, not the one. No, in... no, no, I know. I I know. I know because I think it's the... like on the north side of McKinney. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think I know exactly. I know exactly which one you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's funny. It's a that's an old water tower. It, yeah, does that does that still water. exist? Because they took yeah. down the one in our hometown uh, and replaced it with a more modern one. Some of them do. Some of them have been uh, designated uh, landmarks. Yeah, landmarks. Yeah. They don't operate, to my knowledge, because some of them could barely like uh, sustain. Supply, yeah, supply like a neighborhood. Yeah. So they have been replaced with much larger and more numerous uh, water towers. Yes, and more. One thing that I really like about the water towers in North Texas, though, they make a point of making them look good. They're not just like plain white right. or anything. They like paint murals and and they're also they're also a good indication of which town you're in. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of them aren't just they have the town name yeah. on them. Uh, like McKinney, there's one right next to the highway that just says McKinney, McKinney. on it. Yep. Uh, with like some logo of some kind. I can't remember what it is. Yeah. And then. In our hometown, there's one along the highway that has a big fucking eagle across it. Right, yeah. And you're like, it doesn't oh, hey. say the city or anything, but no. it's just a big eagle. Because, yeah, but, uh, but football is life there. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> and the uh, team's name is the eagle, yeah. so of course. Yeah. Football is life, yeah. Uh, but as Tyler was saying, there's the malt profile, the hot profile, and the drinkability. The malt profile and the hot profile both have ones, so that shows you five. that shows you how light this beer is. So... Why did they go with a one out of five system or out of five system with the molten hop and then a out of six system with the drinkability? Is that is that like well, cranking it to that's, 11? That's that's them but, sucking their own dick. Like yes, they have to. I mean, why wouldn't you? <laughs> you have your own brewery. Honestly, like, why wouldn't you? In a way, this kind of uh, reminds me of Miller Lite. Miller Lite, to me, is very close to water. Yeah. I'm not saying that this is it bad. Actually but it actually kind has... of reminds me of the Pacifica Clara. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. What I was getting at with this is that it's a very, very light beer. Different taste than Miller Lite. Miller Lite has a very just 
It's a little bit more citrusy than Silver yeah. Miller Light, yeah. It has a little bit more edge to it, too. But other than that, it's pretty light and very, very drinkable. Yep. I mean, I would agree with this drinkability uh, score. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's very easy to drink. I like it. I like yeah. it. I'd give it a four. Yeah, that sounds about right. I would yeah. give this a four, too. No points. Just just four. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is definitely, for me, definitely above IPAs, but like... I've had better beers. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, um, yeah. Tup's National Standard Blonde Ale. If you guys are ever in North Texas, definitely give it a shot. Do you think it's, they mean National Standard is in like Texas National Standard? Because they well, do have Texas the big. Texas is its own nation. 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 So, <laughs> na- nation. It's its own nation. <laughs> own nation. Uh, yeah. So it's basically National Standard like over the state of Texas. So yeah. I. I yeah. I have no fucking clue. No, it's a one. cool it's a cool can. And yeah. basically the like the next the next 8 weeks including this week I guess. So the next 7 are going to be all Texas beers. Yeah, so we have four from Tupps Brewery, which is a McKinney, and then we have four from Deep Ellum. Uh I can't remember it's, if it's Deep Ellum Brewery or Deep Ellum Distillery. Mm-hmm. Uh but that's actually located right next to downtown Dallas. It's within Dallas city limits. Yeah. So if you're looking for some local beers to try. We will try it some. Yeah. McKinney is in Collin County. Deep Ellum is in Dallas County. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, McKinney's like, I think, tr- uh, 20 or so miles north of Dallas. Yeah. Uh, Without so. traffic, you can get there in 40 minutes. Yeah. yeah it's pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> we say 40 minutes like that's quick. You have to understand that growing up in Texas, your concept of how far it takes, how long it takes to get places is kind of skewed. Yeah. Two hours is not really that big of a deal. Right. Whereas two hours, like... I mean, it takes a full day to drive across the damn state. Like, Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people in L.A., they understand. L.A. Because no matter what, it's going to take two hours to get anywhere. Right. Right. But, right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the beer. And the movie this week, in the farewell of our baseball movies, we decided to do a movie that really didn't have a lot of actual baseball actual in baseball in it it was more of like the pork and beans of the baseball it's the yeah. how the baseball works the yeah. baseball how, how the <laughs> how the behind the scenes works in baseball right and so we went with moneyball yay and i had never seen it before tyler had seen it and i I'd watched seen it, it numerous times this is something that i typically watch a couple times a year i love Moneyball because I love movies where they get into like the nitty gritty of how things work. Yes. And, and that's they, exactly what this movie is. It's exactly if you how wanna, yeah. at least one team. And you actually get a little bit of insight on another team with the Indians. Yeah. Which is how he gets Peter. Um, but it's written by Stephen Zalian and Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin's actually a pretty Based big. on yep. true events, by the yes. way. Yes. So and directed by Bennett Miller, and this is, of course, it, it was it came out in 2011, which is about the time that Brad Pitt stopped being super fucking hot, and started looking <laughs> kind of old. <laughs> God <laughs> damn. Hey, Just... you know what? I'd still bang him. <laughs> I would still climb he, him he like a that, tree he was in that transitionary period of young hot guy to silver fox right. that right. transitionary period it's like when you're growing out your hair 
you're you're gonna just have to deal with some funky look mm-hmm. for a little while. Well, I mean, like even in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which came out two years ago, he's yeah. a, he's a hunk, like a hunk, yeah. a hunk of burning love, like. like i would climb him like a tree spread him on a cracker like don't get me wrong but you can tell that this is about the time where he's like i don't know if it was for effect or what but it was you know bags under his eyes and well he's meant to be super stressed sorry yeah cat is like he came in he wants attention yes so brad pitt plays billy bean who is the general manager of the Oakland A's mm-hmm. in 2002. Yes. Yes. Uh, 2001 is the first time it's going on because you're, you're intro in the 2001 series, uh, season at the very, very end. Right, they're, right. They're in the elimination series to go to the playoffs. And it's so funny because they're playing the Yankees. Yeah. And my Fucking boyfriend, Yankees. And my boyfriend is a Yankees fan, and he was like, all up in it he was telling me stats and players and everything and it was like 2001 you were like six so i'm this gonna guy. need you to chill the fuck out <laughs> so everybody in that division which includes now the astros it's the rangers the angels the rays and the a's they all fucking hate the yankees because typically the yankees are the first people that are the first or second team they face in the playoffs and they always fucking eliminate them. So when the Rangers first went to the World Series, the big game that season wasn't even any of the World Series games. It was the uh, game six of the series with the Yankees to then go to the World Series because it was like the biggest fucking middle finger they could give to them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. So it, it is based on true events, like Tyler said. And also just a few other names in here. Uh, Robin Wright plays Sharon, who I believe is his ex-wife. Yes. And I don't know why she's the second most top billed. Like, you're in it for like two seconds, she's a big bitch. Like, but she's also... Meh. And then Jonah Hill. Okay. Uh, I think that this was probably maybe one of his first serious roles. It's very possible yeah. that it is. Um, he does really well. And he, I mean, he barely cracks a smile in the entire movie. He is the brain. He is the statistic The Well, he, he's guy. also a fish out of water. He's, he's the brain. He's like the nerd that suddenly is liked by the jocks and he's like, I have no idea right. like how to fit in here. Right. I, I, ha- I'm not like, I know baseball, but I know baseball through statistics. I don't know baseball as growing up, you know playing baseball right right he's like is, i've never touched a baseball in my life i mean he's probably touched a baseball but i mean he like, does like, like he carries yeah, a yeah. baseball around all but the time. he's he's like i am just one of those people who knows the statistics better than the people who own those statistics you know it, yeah. it's it's pretty crazy the way that this works and it's also you they bring back the archaic computer technology from 2002 and just watching it makes me like my brain glitch a little bit from the lag but uh, and then also we have R.I.P. Philip Seymour Hoffman I did not know he was in this movie and the first time I saw him yeah the first time I saw him I paused it and I looked at Parker and I was like I miss him. Like, I miss him <laughs> so much. He was so, such a fucking legend, Barry. <laughs> God, he was so, such a legend. Also On Broadway, su- in Hollywood. God, he was just amazing. So also surprise uh, casting. Did you expect to see Chris Pratt? No. So it was funny. <laughs> so I was actually I was actually just about to get into that. So uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman plays Art Howe, who is the 
coach of the Oakland A's. And him and Brad Pitt fucking buttheads basically throughout the entire scene. They have condescending conversations up the wazoo. Well, so you have uh, the dynamic of the GM who's trying to manage the team and basically save as much money as possible. Right. And well, it's not it's not so much that he has to save money, it's that they don't have the money. Yeah, they don't have the money. Yeah, cuz he cuz he wants more money. But, but the other thing is is the A's are on a per season basis right. on a lot of things. And so Art Howe, one of the things he's constantly asking about is them to relook at his contract to extend it past just 1 year. Right. And he's like Look, man, I don't like only having a contract for one year. Yeah, the job security is not there. Yeah, the job security is not there. It makes you it it makes it feel to me that you don't really have a lot of confidence, and so I'd like you to look at it. And it comes up like three or four different times, and it's always this point of contention. Yeah, like it's even when they're going through the Moneyball thing, and Art Howe is refusing to play the team that. They're building it to be designed to play. He's like, look, I'm just playing the players in a way I can explain next spring when I'm, you know, doing job interviews. <laughs> right. He fully expects this team to absolutely fail and him to get fired and then have to go somewhere else. Right. Yeah. But he is just, he's perfect. Philip Seymour Hoffman, mm, chef's mm-hmm. kiss, one of the best actors that have ever lived. Him and Robin Williams are up there in heaven freaking entertaining the people in heaven and they're not down here entertaining us and I'm a little jealous about it and then yes we have Chris Pratt and it's so funny because because Parker had seen this movie uh-huh. and I hadn't I had never seen this movie yeah. and so we were watching it and Chris Pratt's first scene he's sitting there in his chair and I look at Parker and I'm like that looks like Chris Pratt he's like yeah yeah it kind of does doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> and and it's so it's so funny because it is this movie is ten years old now. Well, yeah. And Chris I think Pratt, he, I think he was gearing up to do Guardians, which is yeah. Why he so was it was like shape. it was right as he was getting into shape. Like he yeah. wasn't the big Chris Pratt that we know from like Parks and Rec. Like yeah. he was just getting into shape and all that stuff. So he was kind of almost unrecognizable. And it was so funny because I look at Parker, I'm like, that looks like Chris Pratt. He's like, yeah, it kind of does, huh? And then there's like an angle, and I'm like, no, that's that's not Chris nah. Pratt. But it looks a lot like him. And then and then and then they showed another. Another angle. I was like, "No, that's fucking Chris Pratt." <laughs> we had to, we had to pause and look it up. Like, I was so surprised. So, one of the other things that I love about this movie is you get a little bit of baseball history. So, Ron Washington is the GM that, or not the GM, but the head coach that took the Rangers to the World Series. Mm-hmm. He's in this movie. Yeah, that character or that person is portrayed in this movie. There's actually quite a few cameos, I think. Well, no, I mean like. It's not really cameos. He was on the coaching staff of the A's at the time. And he got uh, hired on as the head coach over at the Rangers a few years later. Yeah. But... Oh, well, that's fucking disappointing. What? I don't like this fact. I just looked up the trivia and it says, Since there was no money to shoot in all the stadiums the Oakland Athletics visited, Dodger Stadium was dressed up as eight different ballparks. Yeah. I don't like that fact. They typically went to uh, games and then would say, okay, everyone, we need you to stay for like an extra 20, 30 minutes because we're going to shoot some stuff for a movie. Yeah. 
So most of the scenes where they're like, it's actual like footage and stuff. That's not a lot of that is also not like actual footage from uh, the, the games. Film, yeah. It or, was them going out and actually reshooting all of it. Yeah. The other thing about those is ha- they had to turn the lights like half of them off because it's too bright. Uh, they didn't have the LEDs all uh, installed at that time yet, so they had to turn off half the lights, which is why whenever you see shots of them on the field where it looks like basically just a black background with the uh, players, that's why. It's because literally the back half of the field is not even lit at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it's hard with all that light. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, well, I, so I was, I'm just reading the trivia here, and it says, when Chris Pratt auditioned for the school, the role of Scott Hatterberg, he was told that he was too fat. Yeah, uh, probably. Pratt decided to lose weight before the role was cast. I'd check maybe once a week, he recalls. I'd say, they cast it yet? And I would keep working out. Finally, I got in good enough shape that I took a picture of myself and sent to my agent, and he won the role. He does a really good job with Hatterberg. Yeah. Uh, he so- does, and he's very, very timid very kind but he also, he plays a catcher who is from the tigers uh i can't remember i think it's from the tigers but also don't fucking quote me um i think it's from the tigers he was a catcher and then they then he was kind of a free agent and then the a's brought so him on as a first baseman he, he was released from his contract because he lost because uh, he's a left-handed player and he lost uh he got nerve damage in his arm to where he couldn't throw anymore. Yeah. He could still catch. Yeah. But he couldn't throw to second uh, base, second yeah. base or anything like that. And so they were like, "Okay. Well, what's a position where you really don't need to throw too much?" Right. First base. And so he he starts playing on first base, which is something that's completely unheard of for a catcher to do that because he also had no experience playing first base. And Ron Washington, who was the first base coach, it's like, well, I guess I'll try to teach him. Right. And he doesn't actually get put in for quite some time. Like, yeah. Art is like, nope, we're doing Pena. We're putting in Pena. We're doing this. And how... Pena was a rookie that year, by the yeah. way. And it worked. But the reason why they wanted Hatterberg was because he got on base. That's the whole thing about yeah. this. So so it's all stats. Yeah. It's all stats. And that's where Jonah Hill's character comes in. So one of the things about this movie is when you watch the scenes where they're in the uh, meeting room and he's talking with his head scouts, or all who of are his, all assholes, by the way. They are all assholes, but and all of them you, are all of them are pretty much at least at, all but four of them, I believe, are actual like major league in, into yeah yeah. So one of the things that will think you you will walk into this and you're like. Do they really think that way? That is the most right. Like weird he has way. an ugly girlfriend. Like why does that matter? Yeah. Yeah. Or he doesn't have a good face. Yeah. Or he has this nice picturesque screen, uh, swing, and it's like, well, does he hit good? Well, you know, he he has a good swing, but does he hit good? Right. Well, we can work on it. It's, no, that's not. That's you, not the whole point of baseball. You still you, want good you would players. Think, you would think you'd want just good hitters, no matter how they looked or how their swing looked, as long as they fucking hit the ball. Right. You wouldn't care, but that's right. the thing. And then is that's when they these... brought in their first submarine pitcher too. Well, because yeah, uh, yeah uh, I forget his name. I but, forget his name too, but it was like uh, Travis or something. Uh, I think the I, lot... I feel like it started with a T. But I can't anyway, remember. But yeah. anyway, he was a he's a submarine pitcher, or it's like. 
He like brings it underneath and like almost like grazes his knuckles on the ground yeah. to release the ball. It's, it's a, crazy. It's almost a sidearm, but a, like a really low sidearm. Right, but they didn't want that because it was unesthetically. Pre- it was. It wasn't yeah, aesthetically they, they pleasing. They called him a freak for yeah. it. But the thing is, is he actually was a very good pitcher. Yeah, and now it's a normal thing. Yeah. Now it's a normal thing. There's a, there's at least a lot of the times though, like teams don't like dealing with that because how do you coach that? You don't. Yeah. You just let them do their thing. They Basically, like, it's, it's the same thing with knuckleballers. All knuckleballers pretty much know each other because they're the only people that they can, like, call and talk about, like, improvements or, like, hey, I'm seeing, like, a slight, you know, move to the left or something pretty consistently. Is there something I can do to fix that? Right. They don't talk to their pitching coach. They talk to other knuckleballers because they're the only, they're the only ones who will actually understand. Right. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, but it's kind of like bowling, you know, like mm-hmm. the way I throw the ball is a backup ball. I throw like a left-hander, even though I throw with my and right see, hand. I'm probably one of the only people on our team who would actually understand what you're doing. Right. But <laughs> like the, the owners of the bowling alley in which we bowl for, they've tried to beat it out of me mm-hmm. and they just can't. So I'm like, okay, you guys have bowled in pro bowling association tournaments and you can't beat this out of me. Yeah. And yet you still can't teach me how to perfect it. So I'm on my own. Yeah. 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 The only thing I can do with you is just make sure you're hitting your mark. Properly. Pretty much. That's it. And like, I'll tell you, like, you know, you know, that looked pretty good. But if you just move like a board or two over, you'd probably be perfect. As yeah. Long as and I'm a, and I'm a seasoned bowler. And here's the bowler of less than a year fucking teaching me how to bowl. Look, OK, Christ. I'm someone who understands mechanics of games and sports very well. You're a Peter Brand. <laughs> But you actually play the sports too. Yeah. Yeah. I just, so the, the thing for me with a sports like golf or bowling or any of these sports where you have a swing or a physical thing, it's all about elimination of variables. So the more consistent you can be, the more, uh, variables you can eliminate. So with bowling, it's line up in the same spot and aim for the same spot every single time and you'll start getting more consistent with that particular throw. And then if you have to deviate a little bit to make a specific shot. Yeah, based on patterns and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like, for all you know, it might be literally you shift over one board, but aim for the same place. And you'll get a slightly oh, like yeah. outside yeah. Uh, shot. It's the same thing with golf. If you go straight back and straight forward or try to do as much... You'll try to, it'll lessen any slice or hook that you have. Yep. It's the same thing with baseball. If you know specifically where in the strike zone is your best ball, you can hit everything in the strike zone and everything, but if you want that home run shot, you know exactly where that is, what that looks like in front of you, and will try to go for it every single time. Yeah. Same with walks. You know exactly where that is. You yep. And that's 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 what Steve Hedeberg was good for. Yeah. He was a notorious walker. And it's not his fault, really. He just knew where to watch. Yeah. And then he does get his one home run in yeah. the movie. I, it is... It's so, like... It, it's, so there, a, it's a give you chills moment. They, uh, they go on a long streak of, mm-hmm. like, 20-something... Yeah, it's, like, the longest streak in history. Uh, I don't think they beat it i think they tied it yeah like 20 20 they, they 20 beat wins. the record for the american league but i think uh overall for major league they tied it yeah i think it was like 20 or 21 yeah but uh he continues that streak by getting a home run at the very end yeah and you got a billy bean man he's superstitious 
he's so superstitious about not watching games. Right. And he also doesn't want to build a, a, a rapport with these players at first, at least. So, cause, well, it's because so, he's, he's forced to talk to him because he fires pretty much all of his other staff. So he has to actually be the one to kind of right. coach him some. Right. So that's so let's let's talk about Peter Brand for a second. Mm-hmm. So Peter Brand is played by Jonah Hill. And what how Jonah Hill is brought into Billy Bean's staff is Billy Bean goes and meets with the Cleveland Indians to trade or to try to talk a trade. Yeah. And he's saying all these names and he looks over and there's this guy who does not look like he belongs in baseball yeah. whatsoever. Like I love Jonah Hill and I respect Jonah Hill, but he, but he he's mean, the he's, only one in the suit. He's the only one in a suit. He, I mean, everybody else is dressed pretty professionally, but they're dressed like golfers almost like they're dressed slacks, in polos like, slacks, and golf, sl- and like, like golfers. Yeah. And stuff like that. But he's in a suit. And every time he says something, Jonah Hill or Peter Brand would talk into, talk the, into ear. the ear of someone. And then that someone would look at the GM uh, for the Shapiro. Evening. Yeah. And be like, no, or yeah. And after that meeting, Billy Bean goes up to Peter Brand and he's like, who are you? Who are you? (laughs) And he's like, I'm I'm Peter Brand. I I work here. (laughs) I'm an assistant to an assistant. Yeah, pretty much. And so he just talks about like statistics and all that stuff. Who's nephew? Who's nephew are you? Exactly. Because like I said, you know, he just doesn't look like he belongs in the baseball world. He's not, he's not athletic. He's not anything. Well, the reason why he, Billy Bean is so interested in finding out is because it's like, who are you that you saying yes or no to something made it so that that guy said yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. But Shapiro, the why, manager why are you of such the a Indians. Big thing? Yeah. And they kept saying Shapiro. And I don't know if that's right or not, but I just, I see that, I see that last name and I think Ben Shapiro from yeah, the God. OJ trial. <laughs> <laughs> so. Is uh, Ben Shapiro even related to the OJ trial? Uh, not Ben Shapiro, but. Um, you said Ben Shapiro, so. Oh, I think it was Ben Shapiro. Benjamin Shapiro. Yeah. So it must have been a it's different. It's a different. Bit. It's okay. a different Benjamin Shapiro, I think. Um, <laughs> I was like, why but, the fuck um, would he have been there? <laughs> yeah, no, they're, uh, yeah. Anyway, he, Billy Bean. Billy Bean. Yeah. So how Billy Bean became part of the baseball world is that he was drafted right out of high school. Yep. And he had a full ride scholarship to Stanford. And his mom was like, please don't take this. Like, please. Like he was offered a pretty substantial contract right out of high school. Mm-hmm. And his mom was really iffy about it. Like, but he just got accepted into Stanford, yada, yada, yada. But money talks, money talks. I was actually talking to Parker about it mm-hmm. and he's a ball player and he's a damn good ball player. And so I asked him, I was like, you know, right out of high school, even if you had a full ride scholarship to a prestigious Ivy League school for baseball, would you take the professional baseball contract? Mm-hmm. And he thought about it for a while. We watched a few scenes. Then he kind of he he made me pause it, and he's like, you know, back then, as an eighteen year old brain, I probably would have would have. But as now a full-grown adult with a full-time job and bills to pay and shit like that, I would have gone and played for for college yeah. and gotten my college degree 
and taken that full ride scholarship. Yeah, because yeah. just because you went to college doesn't mean you can't still go play for the majors. No, absolutely not. Most major league, like, and, and I think yeah. you have to go to college to play for NFL. Uh, I think you have to. Maybe. At yeah. least two years, I they, think it is. It, it also could be that there's like an age, uh, a minimum age, and so it's like you might as well just go to college. Right. Yeah. But uh, with baseball, if you get scouted as a high schooler and well, hell, they offer a... you those things, like... It They'll is go down weird. to Latin yeah. America and scout like 16-year-olds. Yeah, stuff. and Japan and stuff yeah. like that. But I don't know. I, as an adult, I've, I think like Parker. I'm like, I would go and play for college at least two years. Honestly? At least two. I probably would think differently if I was even in that situation because I was not anywhere near that kind of yeah, situation. Yeah, I mean, so, same. Uh, but like even at eighteen, if I had kind of the same way of thinking back then, I probably still would have gone to college. Yeah, I'd be like, you know what? If I'm that good, then by the time that I'm done with college, or I'll at least two good. years of college, I'll be even better. I'll be even better because I will be playing in a more professional setting with college ball. Yeah, and that helps. And you'll have me... a degree to fall back on, it, right? Not because ultimately, he ends up choking. He ends up choking in the major leagues. He is drafted because he has a pretty everything. A pretty swing, a pretty hit, a pretty throw, a pretty catch, a pretty field. Like Which he, is why he kind of has a underlying just... Understanding. Well, he has underlying understanding, but this is also one of the reasons why he dislikes the way baseball scouting is working. Right. Because they don't really care about statistics or anything. I mean, they kind of do. It's something to kind of get your foot in the door. But if you don't have a pretty swing or the ball doesn't like sound good coming off your bat or you don't yeah, have a pretty face. They talk about all this. They talk about looks. They talk about girlfriends. They talk about the way yeah, your swing like, looks. They he talk doesn't about have a pretty this. girlfriend. And like, well, what does that matter? It's like, well, if you don't have a pretty girlfriend, then you, you must don't have, have bad a, eyesight. You you, know? Or you yeah. have bad confidence yeah. because you don't think you can, you know, get a prettier girlfriend, stuff like that. It's, it's like good old boy talk. And you're mm-hmm. like... Did people really fucking think this way? This is the dumbest way to go about doing this. Right, because for a professional baseball team, yeah, who the fuck cares what your girlfriend looks like? Who exactly. the fuck cares? Exactly. They're, 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 why does that matter? I, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. And there actually is a scene in the movie when a scout comes up to him, and it's a full-blown... Both of them are condescending each other. Oh, yeah. What's the head scout? Yeah, it's the head scout. And he's just like, he's like, I don't understand why you brought this kid in who wants to go off of stats rather instead of... You have, I've got 29 years of experience and you have a whole bunch of other guys who have similar amount of experience in that room trying to put your team together and you can bring in this guy right who's and just undermine going everything off of stats. who's going off of stats yeah we have the experience we know what to pick and billy's like guys it like hasn't you can't working and, yeah it hasn't been working so we're and doing the this head instead. scout calls him out and was like look just because you know a scout made a error on you doesn't mean we're going to continue to make errors it's like look you're going to go to these kids i've sat in the room with you and you're telling them that they're going to be the next big, big thing. That you know they're going to be the next big thing. And you don't. Yeah. There's no fucking way you could know that. Right. Because Billy is he prime is, example of yeah. that. He was great in high school. He was great at everything. And then once he got into the majors, his stats fucking dropped. Yeah. And how he got Peter was he called Peter and he's like, 
would you have drafted me first pick? And Peter's like, I don't want to, I don't want to have this conversation. <laughs> and <laughs> he's like, nope, I would have picked you eighth round. You no know, signing bonus. no signing bonus. Like you are it was actually ninth round. Yeah, well, yeah, ninth, eighth <laughs> or ninth round, and no signing bonus. That's it. And and Billy was like, okay, well, pack your bags because I just bought you from the Cleveland Indians. Because yeah. he knows, he knows that stats are important, and they are. But also, you also have to understand that players have good and bad years. Mm-hmm. They do. They come back from injuries. They come back from personal reasons. All that stuff. You know, my one of my favorite baseball players just ex, just expired. Just wow. not expired. Just retired. Okay. Um, Buster Posey of the San Francisco Giants. Cool. Best catcher ever. But he had a few bad years because he came back from an injury. A really <laughs> a really bad leg injury. Mm-hmm. Because he was taken out at home plate. Like, taken out at home plate. One of the most insane collisions I've ever seen. And those first few years that he came back, he was getting his bearings back. He was figuring it out, mm-hmm. you know. But he killed it. He killed it. He's in his 40s and he just retired. Yeah. You know, I mean, and now a I'm just waiting for player, Tom Brady to do the same thing. A good ball player thing. who kind of keeps in shape and keeps on top of it, even with injuries, they can last a long time yeah. in the matrix. Yeah, I mean, there's even there's even one that they talk about with the A's, the 37 well, like year old. Yeah, a pitcher. Yeah, played into his 40s. Yeah, and, that's, and he played. That is, he he pitched with speed in his 40s. Yeah, that is unheard of. Yeah, that is unheard of because that shoulder goes quick when you have to throw that ball 80 to 100 miles an well, hour. Like the the, the Tommy John surgery. Yeah, the the tendon in the uh, forearm that connects your elbow to. Uh, the, the lower arm and all that stuff. Tommy John surgery is almost a just given at this point that you're going to get it mm-hmm. as a pitcher. And back then, that was almost unheard of. Mm-hmm. If you lost that, you were done. Yeah. But then, of course, you know, modern medicine is like, now let's fix this. You know where they get the replacement uh, tendon for Tommy John? I don't want to talk about it. I don't, I don't want to know. Okay. What, where is it? I think they get it from pigs. Oh, well, that makes because, sense. I mean, that's it's the, well, the most, thing about those the most, uh, uh, like tendons and ligaments. They aren't they don't regrow. Like when you tear your ACL, mm-hmm. it's not like they just kind of stitch it together and it like remelts together. No, the stitching is what's holding it together, and no. that's it. It doesn't really heal all the way. Uh, and it's the same thing with tendons. Like they'll reattach it and like staple it to the bones and stuff like that. But that ligament is foreign material. Mm. It doesn't. Yeah. Nope. nope. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Sorry. I'm good. No, that's all right. <laughs> Medical stuff is weird. <laughs> I mean, hey, it, it works. Uh, it, but like I said, it's a common thing now for players to get within the first 10 years of their careers. Mm-hmm. Because they're expected to go as hard as possible. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot on the body. It's a lot on the body. Having, oh, especially like, if you're a starter. Just the repetitive movements. Yeah. You know, I can't even, I can't even imagine. Well, what... especially if you're a starter because you're pitching more balls than any other person on your team that night. And you're throwing with power more often than everybody yeah. in the night. I think the only people who probably come close to the amount of power that you're throwing is the is closers. The, 
Well, it's the closers or the outfielders. Yeah. Because sometimes you'll actually have outfielders come and pitch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but also, you know, the closers who only pitch one or two innings. And like Nestie Feliz yeah. was someone, before he was a starter, he was a closer who could throw 105 consistently. Mm-hmm. Like 30 or 40 pitches in a row at that speed. And that's what made him so great. Yep. But he got injured yep. and, had, and was out for like a season and a half or something like that. Yep. And then he had to have a season to recoup, which, yep. you know, it, it's... It's unfair. It's unfair mm-hmm. to the players because they get hurt and they, they have to. They still get paid, absolutely, because they're in contract. Yeah. Um, but and most, I'm sure, if we, if I got a contract in front of me, I would be able to, you know, know, look through it and be like, oh, okay, so there's this stipulation and this stipulation and this stipulation because all I do for a fucking living is. I'm sure in every contract contracts, there's but. stipulations of like injuries done during games. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus injuries uh, from outside of job-related duties. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, like, if you get hurt, you know... In a, so, like, let's say you break your arm at a bar because you got drunk and fell got over. Got in a bar fight or something. Yeah. yeah. That probably, like... I'm not sure if you get paid your full salary or, like, some diminished amount yeah. uh, while that recovers. But I gotta imagine that it's like workman's comp. You basically just get paid while that's going on. Because yeah. it's a... It's a workplace injury, basically. Right. But, I mean, say you get, you know, an elbow injury mm-hmm. while you're pitching. You know, you, you twist it wrong and it gets all weird. Then, yeah, you probably still get paid 100%. Yeah. Regardless if you're in a game or not. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know. I would, lo- I would love to read a professional baseball player's yeah. contract. I honestly really would. I would love to see the stipulations, the, well, the like clauses, all that stuff. Well, like, one of the common things on yeah. contracts is bonuses for, like, making it to the playoffs. Right. Making it to the uh, championship games, things like that. So, maybe that's why Billy Bean was so upset about losing the last game. He didn't get that extra bonus. Well, I mean... <laughs> Because he probably had a bonus, too. But he still fucking stayed after being offered to be paid as the highest paying GM in the history of baseball with the the Red Sox. the history of sports. Yeah. Like, he was going to be paid two and a half million a year to manage... I think uh, it was twelve and a half. It It might have been. I think it was twelve and a half. It was some outrageous amount to manage uh, the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. And honestly, like, I would have taken it. I, yeah. I mean, I understand why he didn't because he because what had happened throughout the movie was that he built a rapport with the team. Yeah, and he started the film saying, you know, I don't travel with the team because I have to tell these guys when they're being traded. I have to tell these guys when they're being fired. When they're I being have sent to, down. When they're being sent down to AAA, like I do not want to know these guys because I don't want that personal relationship with them because when I have to do that, shit sucks. So he's like, um, yeah, Peter, you're going to go and travel with the team. <laughs> and Peter's like, why though? <laughs> you know, because he's passive. Peter, yeah. You know, Peter's a little introverted. Well, I mean, David Justice uh, calls him out on it. He's like, so why doesn't he play with the team he's like well he doesn't want to get to know the players it's like oh so it's easier to cut us i mean yeah (laughs) pretty much yeah yeah and why do i have to pay a dollar for soda yeah right (laughs) (laughs) 
He wants to put. He wants to keep the money on the field. Yeah. Soda money. Yeah. Soda money. Really? Yeah. No, I'm that, done now. That is funny. That is funny. Uh, I like but, David so Justice. It, He's pretty funny in this movie. One of my favorite scenes, not my favorite scene, which we'll get into here in a minute. Um, but one of my favorite scenes is when. The first time that Peter has to tell somebody that he's being traded. <laughs> he practices with Billy Bean mm-hmm. once because Billy's like, okay, you know, let's pretend. Tell me that I'm being traded to another team. And Peter's like, okay, well, you know, you're being traded to so-and-so team. And Billy's like, well, I just bought a house here. My kids just started school here. What, what am I supposed to do? You know, like well, you, he, like, you, you he, shouldn't take him out in the middle of the year, you know. This, yeah, right. He, just, he does. He's like, "What he the just, fuck are you doing?" Right. He's like, "He's like, no, no, no. You don't give them life advice. You just say that this is it. This is the life of baseball of a baseball player. So and so will take care of the details. Yeah. See you later. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's proven. That's proven throughout. You know, the first time that Peter has to tell somebody that he's being traded, which I think it's to the Tigers. He he's being traded to the Tigers. And it's he, a like, Pena that they're, he's yes, having to talk so to. Yes, so it comes to it comes to the point where Billy wants Hatterberg at first, and yeah. Art is refusing to put him at first. He's like, so, so I'm he's like, force he's your like, hand. okay, so I'm gonna trade Pena, mm-hmm. and send out all the there other guys. There you fucking go. You know, like <laughs> shove it up your ass. So he trades Pena, and he puts Peter in the task of telling Pena that he's being traded. Peter does great. He's like, Pena, you're being traded. And he's like, okay. Here's the number of this guy. He's expecting your call. call. Pena just kind of looks at him for a little, like 10 seconds. He's like, okay. Okay. (laughs) I'll just go. Yep. And then what are you going to do? Right. There's nothing you can fucking do if you get traded. I feel like as a, athlete like that that would be probably one of the things i would just dread the most is getting traded not because it's like going to a different team or whatever it's uh, now i have to go get to know people again i have to figure right. out my living situation right. my like, family uh, has to figure it out if you know they. i have wouldn't a be family. surprised if a lot of baseball players that get traded pretty often like that they just stay in like long stay hotels or well, something so honestly i was you know i was thinking about um like space jam yeah so, you know, like in Space Jam, when Michael Jordan goes home in between his games and all that stuff, like, yes, he's a Chicago Bull. And yes, that's probably where the homestead is in Chicago. But I have a feeling that if, like, say he wasn't as good as he was. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know much about the NBA. But do they well, like, have, if like, you sign a multi-year contract with the right. team, then you're yes, probably you, you expecting that to stay homestead. there for a while. Yes, but, you know, you have that... that and even if, even if like, say you get signed on the, to Dallas Cowboys for, you know, 10 million a year. Yeah. Which is fucking a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. The vast majority of Dallas Cowboys immediately buy houses in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And even if they get traded, a lot of them still live there. Well, yeah. And then, and, because you know, it's like, also a really well, nice fucking area. <laughs> well, also, you have to think of your family. Like, mm-hmm. you have that family if you if you have a family and you're a professional sportsman then you have to keep them you can't keep pulling your kids out of school every year you can't you can't keep uprooting your wife your life your everything you know you have to you you are essentially rooted there regardless Mm -hmm. so it's it's a tough it's a tough decision like and you're traveling most of the time anyway i sorry i just had a thought where was his daughter 
continually flying to and so from. So I don't know. They never really explain that because the first time you realize that he has a daughter, he just shows up at his ex-wife's house. Yeah. With the I'm assuming that's in the Bay Area. Something. You would think so. <laughs> yeah. But and then all then of a sudden she's the... she's being dropped off and picked up from the airport periodically. And he but wouldn't never... travel with the team, so it's not like he's picking her up like in fucking Dallas or something. Right. It, it, so I don't It was su- it was not explained very well. It was it, and if it was Maybe... then I mean you've seen the movie more than once. I've only seen it once. It's never and... really mentioned or explained, but the only thing I can guess is maybe you know mom moved. Yeah. I just don't know. Do I don't know where. I don't know where. And it's so funny because the stepdad. (laughs) So. The stepdad seems like a nice guy, but it's like. So it's so funny. You are out of your. You are out of your depth, bud. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But we were. So the stepdad. Parker and I had to pause the movie for about 10 minutes to figure out where we had seen the stepdad before. Okay. And I had seen the stepdad and I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, he does look familiar. Oh, man, his voice, his acting. Fuck. Where is he from? He's not like on Grey's Anatomy or something like that. No, no, no. He's actually more of like a producer. He's actually uncredited in the movie. He's not even credited. So he's more of like a producer, director type person. Okay. I went Mm -hmm. to take a poop. Okay. (laughs) You could have just said, I went to the bathroom. No, I went to take a poop. And I was sitting okay. on the toilet and I was like, okay, I'm looking up this person. Okay. And I found him in the uncredited and I was scrolling through the pages and I was scrolling through the pictures. I'm like, where are you, motherfucker? I'm going to find a movie that you have, that I've seen you in. And I found it. Okay. <laughs> he was in Wolf of Wall Street. He is the guy from the penny stock exchange that Jordan Belfort goes to after the stock exchange collapses. Okay. Yeah, and he's like, and so he's the one explaining penny stocks to Jordan Belfort in The Wolf of Wall Street. And I was sitting on the toilet. <laughs> sitting on the toilet. Sitting on the toilet. Sitting on the toilet. <laughs> and I'm, I yelled to Parker. I was like, he was in Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Parker's like, oh. No, I mean, he's, a, yeah, I think he's only ever seen the movie once, and I think it was with me. And so I don't think he ever, I think he was just like, oh, was he? You know, I was just like, man, man. I was expecting man. like a, oh, that's right. But yeah, it was funny. He's really like, oh. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a very Parker response. Just yeah. Like, oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, what was your favorite scene? You you talked about a favorite scene. What was the favorite scene? My favorite scene is probably the first time that Billy Bean goes into the locker room when little Giambi is dancing on the table. <laughs> It's a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah. So the season before, there were two Giambis on the team. Oh, no, no, no. Jeremy Giambi, the one that plays on the Moneyball team, mm-hmm. he wasn't there. Oh, okay. It was his brother that was. Yes. And he was one of the best players of the A's, and then he got traded. Well, he he got uh, signed to a bigger contract. Yeah, okay. Yeah, signed to a bigger contract. Sorry. And Pretty much all the people who brother... left, their contracts were up, and so they left. Because yes. with the A's, they can't afford to sign long-term contracts, so typically you only stay at the A's for a couple years on mm-hmm. their contract. Yeah, but then his little brother came the season 
that they're focusing on. And uh, his little brother has been under scrutiny for being drunk and going to strip clubs and doing all that. He's a huge partier. He is a huge partier. And there's actually a point in time where a reporter is asking him where he's like, she's like, you know, how does it feel being known to go to strip clubs and all that stuff? And he's like, it it feels fine. Like, (laughs) whatever. But they are on like a 17 game lose streak. And Billy goes into the the locker room and little Giambi is pants unbuckled, dancing on the table with music on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's we got the funk. And, uh, and he is pissed. Oh yeah. He is pissed. He turns off the music and he's like, well, he slams a bat into the radio to turn it off. Yeah. And he's like, is losing fun to you? All All these players look like little kids being scolded by their parents. It's fucking hilarious. They're like, yeah, because oh because Billy never comes in. Yeah, Billy, Billy never... does not interact with the players. This is like one of the first interactions that we at least see. And he's not particularly good with interacting with players no. either. No, and so he is pissed, pissed. So at the same time that he trades Pena, he trades Giambi, mm-hmm. and he trades Giambi right in front of Art, and Art's like. You're what ki- the fuck? Killing this team, <laughs> right? You're killing, you're this, killing team? this team, man. And then they go on to that twenty twenty game streak. Well, see, they they weren't. They, it wasn't like a seventeen win uh, lose streak, but it was like they the last like twenty or thirty games they'd only won a single digit number of games. Right. It was an incredible just right. But slump the, the, in the, the players that he traded, at least Giambi Pena was probably taking it a little bit more seriously, but the players that he well, traded... Well, Pena was actually a good player who... Yep. He didn't actually have any, like, problems outside. It was just... In the system that they were working with, he He got, wanted Hatterberg at first. Because yeah. Hatterberg got on base slightly more than Pena did. And Pena was even looking like to be Rookie of the Year. And so, every once in a while throughout the season, you'll hear, like, uh radio uh, shows and stuff talking about what's going on with the A's. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, when they traded uh, Penny and Giambi, it's like, they were, what the they fuck were is Billy Bean ta- doing, man? Like, you traded Penny and Giambi? Yeah, it was just... And then they were railing into him for going off the stats whether, other than just Well, the other thing is, is, when he has it out with the uh, head scout, he fires him. Mm-hmm. Because He's the, like, cool. Like, He's like, I'm not going to fire you. And the head scout says, fuck you. And uh, he's like, now I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then the head scout goes to the radio, uh, like calls into the radio to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And is just, you know, bashing on him. Like, you know, they're trying this newfangled thing from a guy from like the 60s. It's never been tried out before. It's not proven or anything like that. It's just fucking ridiculous that they're doing this. He had a whole team of scouts and he's just throwing it all away. Billy Bean has gone fucking crazy. Right. And they And then they him. have the streak. And yeah. then they... It starts off with uh, seven wins. Yep. They... The news credits the seven wins in a row to Art, the coach. Mm-hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman, R.I.P. Yeah. And Billy and Pete are just, like, discussing stuff. And Pete hears that... Or Peter that hears that uh, it's been attributed to Art instead of Billy. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. All I heard was seven wins in a row. That's all right. I want to hear. I don't care whether it's my credit or not. I just want this team to win. Which 
as a as general a GM, man, that's what you, that's yeah, what you, you gotta do. You are in the background. Yeah. You do not really... No. Mm-mm. Yeah. You are not really in the forefront. You, you might you might be the top of the team, but you are not the team. Yeah. You are just once they hit the field, you are kind of out of it. Mm-hmm. And so art is very much a huge part in why they win, but Billy just doesn't care that it Yeah, he's he's, more, not, he's not in it for the fame, he's in it for the for the team, the, for yeah. the for the for the sport. It's just how it is. And Billy is kind of right in a way near the end when he's like, look, if we don't win this last series to get into the playoffs, they're just going to write it all off. They're going to say we failed, mm-hmm. that it might have been a good run. It doesn't but matter it, that they broke a record. Matter. It doesn't matter that they broke a record. It's, you know, he's wanting to actually fundamentally change the way baseball is approached uh, when it comes to building teams because he doesn't want all these new players coming in to be burned like he was. Right. And so he's wanting them to go in and fundamentally change how the uh, game is structured or how teams are built from the ground up. And he's worried that when they lose the end of the elimination series, that it won't matter. Right. That they'll go back to the way they were thinking. They're like, cool, you got lucky, but it's probably a fluke that you got that far. Right. And so we're just going to stick to it. And that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. The uh, news shows, uh, radio shows and all them, they're they're like, you know what? Good try. Wasn't going to fucking work anyway, so don't worry about it. And then Boston happens two years later. Yep. Using his model, they win the fucking World Series Mm -hmm. for the first time since 1918. Yep. This is why Billy was... Against the Yankees, right? I can't remember. But this is why Billy was offered such a just horrendously large amount as a GM because, to go to Boston. Because people actually recognize that stats are important. Well, the, the owner uh, puts a, he explains why he's even approaching Billy. He's like, look, you got a winning season and almost got to the playoffs, and you spent this much money per win. Mm-hmm. It's like 200 and something thousand dollars per win. Whereas the Yankees, who had a very similar season to you, spent like two and something, two point something million dollars per win. Yeah. Even at, he's like, as a business, as a owner, as a businessman, I have to look at that and be like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I not doing this? This is by far the better way to go because it's cheaper. Yep. And so they go that route two years later and they win. Yep. And unfortunately, Billy Bean has yet to win a uh, World or go really to the World Series with the A's. I don't think is Billy Bean still the GM at the A's. I don't think so, but I I don't think so. I don't. Uh, so okay, I just did a quick little research. Billy Bean is indeed still the GM of the A's. Good for him. Good for him. That's what I said. Good for him. <laughs> yep, yep, good for him. Yep. That's um, interesting. I, I think the A's have been to the playoffs since then. I don't know. I don't follow the A's much. I don't either. I My favorite team is the Rangers, who is in the same division as the A's, and I still don't fucking follow anything but the Rangers. Like It's always how many games back are we from first, not who's in first. Yeah. 
Unless it's the Rangers, in which case, whoopee. Yeah. But that rarely happens nowadays. Yeah. I mean, I my my team is in the same jurisdiction. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, but what was your favorite part? Uh, probably one of my favorite parts is, uh, it might be that first scene with the scouts. Okay. When they're talking about, like, the aesthetic, whether the... Yeah. Instead of the... Because Billy isn't stupid. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear that the scouts don't really take him seriously because they are constantly talking over him. They're constantly just assuming what he's uh, getting at without actually considering what he's asking. So he, you know, he asked them, he's like, okay, you guys aren't understanding the problem. And they're like, yeah, we do. Okay, what's the problem? This guy's like, well, we've lost these players and we need to replace them. He's like, eh, that's wrong. Yeah. Okay, you, what's the problem? Well, we've got, you know, this many home runs, this many RBIs and everything. Eh, wrong. wrong. Yep. The problem is, is there's rich teams, then there's poor teams, and then there's 50 feet of crap, and then, and then there's, there's us. us. And he goes on to say, if we play like the Yankees in here, we will lose to, uh, to the Yankees out there. Mm-hmm. Or something to that effect. And they're like, well, you can't say that. It's like, okay, is there another player like Damon? No. And if there was, could we afford him? No. no. Then what the fuck are you talking about? Right. Why are we trying to find one player to replace these guys? Mm-hmm. We can't fucking Instead, do Instead, we need to f- find somebody who we can replace them with, with the budget that we have. Yeah. And that's not at all what they're thinking like. Yeah. None of the scouts are thinking like that. None of the scouts are thinking about, well, none of the scouts are thinking about the overall stats of the team. They're talking about, well, the one guy is, but he keeps just quoting the same stats over and over and over again without understanding why they got those stats in the first place. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to pause for a second for a word from our desert creature. It's like, why is this in my face? <laughs> can, it, can it pet me? Can it pet me? Please? I'm going to make it pet me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. His purr is like a motorboat, man. <laughs> Jesus. 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 But yeah, I that, that to me is like one of the... It's kind of the thesis of the film. Yeah. It's one guy seeing just something inherently just counterintuitive... To how the old guard are treating, are approaching baseball. Right. And so he's trying to prove to him, like, look, your way is just stupid. It's archaic. It's, it's archaic. Not, it's you need not, to go this way. Yeah. It's not. It's not how we need to do it anymore. But at the same time, there's scene near the end when he's contemplating the offer for Boston, where uh, Peter Brand is like, look, well, okay, so Peter Brand originally tells uh billy being like you know john b or damon or whoever just got signed for like seven and a half million dollars on like a five-year contract or something like that like if they were looking at his statistic compared to other people of his position and all that he wouldn't have been uh signed for nearly as much i wouldn't have even signed him for a million right he's grossly overpaid and so that's what they think of him but we know better well, they also talk about, like, with uh, David Justice. David Justice complains uh, to Billy. is like, you're paying me, you know, like, $7 million. Uh, and that's, a, that's the older guy. Yeah, the that's the older guy. The 37-year-old who... Yeah. Who, yeah. 
like you're paying me all this money uh, to play for you, so why don't you just let me play the game? He's like, no, 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 no. The Yankees are paying half your contract. Right. They're playing. They're paying you over three million dollars to play against them. Mm-hmm. That's what they think of you. Right. I'm just trying to get you to, you know, play how you are now. Right. Well, like Peter is trying to convince Billy to take the offer to go to Boston, and he's like, "Look, he gave you all that money. You would be the highest." Highest paid GM in the history of sports. Yeah. Yeah. And that money says that they think a lot about you. But see, Peter knows that he's really the brains of it. So... He got well, a little salty. I, I think. I think. I think there was a little salty. Well, no. I think the assumption was that he probably would have brought Peter with him. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Because at that point, they are the dynamic duo. Yeah. But... Yeah, because in the first meeting that Peter is in with the scouts... He, every time he pointed, he was like, Peter, whenever I point at you, I need you to fucking speak. Like, <laughs> that's it. Like, like, And every time he'd point at him, Peter would have that stat ready. He would just yeah. have it on the top of his brain. And people didn't realize how important that was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like Peter's trying to encourage him to go because he wants to go to Boston. Right. He's like, um, <laughs> okay, uh, Oakland A's or Boston Red Sox? But see, the thing is, is while Billy understands what's happening, he doesn't have the brain till he he's not the guy who you know formulated all that stuff for him and so what i guess what i'm trying to get at is peter's like yes this is what they think of you with all this money Mm -hmm. but they don't know that you don't actually you can't actually do all that so you need to take this while you can right because they're he's probably making the assumption that he's probably going to go with billy Mm -hmm. regardless but it's like okay they don't know how you compare to other people doing the same thing yet. Right. This is a good thing to do. Take advantage of it. So it's like, instead of speaking to you as like a team franchise hiring somebody, it's a, you are now the player in that situation. Take it while you can. Right. Because you don't know when they're going to finally realize you're really not that great. Yeah. And Billy is good. He's... He's I mean, smart enough to he's know. Still good. He's been a GM for at least twenty well, years yeah. now. But, but they they follow that uh, that system still. But yeah. the thing is, is every team does now. Yeah. And so the guys that they found diamonds in the rough or whatever, like the submarine pitcher or mm-hmm. the I guess uh, sidearm pitcher, like those guys are snatched up by the bigger, uh, richer teams immediately because they now follow that system, so they don't give a fuck. Who they are, as long as their stats line up, they don't care. Um, And so the Oakland A's are now getting the scraps. Mm -hmm. And so they're kind of back to where they were. They had this window of a few years where they could really take advantage of the system without people really catching on. It's kind of like when people, uh, like how teams started playing the shift a lot more. Mm -hmm. A few teams started that and had a lot of success, but then you had everyone start catching on. And so now everybody's kind of at the level playing field again. Right. But well, it's silly because, like, it's silly to me that the shift wasn't just common knowledge or like <laughs> Well, the, like, just, just in baseball. Like, yeah. Like, like, come on. Like, but see, the thing is, is they started, it, it wasn't that the shift didn't exist before. It was now they're applying, like, pinpoint accurate statistics. Like, mm-hmm. instead of saying, okay, you're all just now shifting over to play this side of the field it's okay you're gonna stand right here for this guy you're gonna stand right here even in today's baseball games they cut they have like a a a quarter pie chart 
mm-hmm. of the of the diamond, and they tell they have a statistic of yeah. where that guy hits. Well, no, I'm they saying have, they are looking at all the balls that this player has hit. That's what I'm saying. Like, and they, they have, have like a heat map of where the balls go, that's what and I, so that's they exactly what I was just saying. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I thought you were just saying like swath, like okay, he's more likely to hit in like this five no, degree no, no. range. They, so okay. they have they have it in percentages now. Yeah. Like it's all percentages. So like say a left a left handed hitter yeah. comes up, right? They have like two percent over in left field. And then 3% in left center, and then it just gets higher and higher and higher as well, it gets over to the left side of the field. I know, or but... Or the right side of the so field. So the way you're describing it to me, though, is like, it's literally like a pie chart where there's just swaths of... Kind of, yeah. Accuracy. I'm talking like, they have literal heat maps of like every square like meter in the field. Okay. They look at the statistics of where the ball went specifically off the bat. Okay, so basically we're, and saying, so they're like, we're saying the same thing, just two different things, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. And they we're literally place the, the guy. Like the statistics are the same, but yeah. we're, what we're talking about is different. But yeah. the thing is, is it's not as simple as like a left or right shift anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's player-specific shift yeah. now. And so you might have this huge like gap in center field or something, but that's because they very rarely hit there. It's like well, 1% no, it's of the balls. Well, it's based on the player. Yeah. Like the, the that's what I'm saying. That I'm talking like, about is based on the player. It's like, not just based on where he, what, what. Well, yeah, I know that's, yeah. that's what I'm yeah. is like the player uh, at bat might hit the center field, you know, a very small fraction of his at bats. Whereas left and right fields, you have a huge amount. Mm-hmm. So you'll have like the center fielder instead of standing in the middle. He's like, over even and left, he's like or even over further right. left yeah. than like the shortstop would be, mm-hmm. and so it's like holy shit. Right. But because right. So they're we're not, on the same page, yeah. we're just not on the same page. We're like on the same. We're like in the same chapter, just a but page over. That's the thing that really started catching on about a decade ago, mm-hmm. and it's similar to Moneyball in that the first a few teams started catching on that that was a thing and so they started implementing it and winning a whole bunch and then everyone else caught on to it mm-hmm. and you're actually starting to see a lot of pushback in like fan base and uh sports commentary and stuff against doing that because it makes the games more boring right because not as many runs were ever scored and so there's even like a movement to make it a rule that you can't play specific shift like that. Mm-hmm. You can play left or right shift, but you can't like player specific it. Yeah, you can't just like yeah. There's like even in like slow pitch softball here in town, you can't like when women come up to bat in mm-hmm. co-ed softball, you can only come up so far. They made it so they're like, okay, we understand that this yeah. is a woman. However, if you come up too far. That's giving you too much of an advantage, okay. and we need you to not. And then, kind of same, you know, a lefty comes up. Yeah. Everybody shifts right. Yep. And that is just what happens. However, they make it so you're like, <laughs> I can't go too right yeah. because then everybody's at the right, and it's it it gives it gives the fielders an unfair advantage instead of the batter, and so it's well, just. It- the thing that has started to kind of counteract the player-specific shift is the players that are like the spray-and-pray types or the contact hitters because they are a lot easy. They can either they're too random to really get a good player-specific shift on or they do have a trend, but they can just as easily pop one out into the gap without much of a thought. 
Right. Or at least I mean, all they much gotta easier. do is swing early. Like, that's all they gotta do. Well, exactly. They yeah. they understand, like, okay, they're playing deep and... To the right. To the and right. So, so all I, I have to do is... Bloop one over the infielders yeah. to the left and I'll be fucking fine. Yeah. It, yeah. Which is silly. But that's, but that's so, hard to do also, if you don't aren't used to doing that. For the most part, they have players stay and left. Yeah. And they only really shift... Like really dramatically when they have a well, lefty coming Well, the player up. in left field, he's out there probably about in line with the uh, the shortstop mm. because he has to be able to run pretty far yeah. left or cover center field if necessary. Right. The center fielder can still cover like half of center field. Mm-hmm. It's just now the other half is having to be covered by the left fielder. Right. The left fielder is having to cover like a good probably forty percent of the outfield yeah. by himself. But yeah. that's the thing. Is statistics say otherwise. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, Moneyball <laughs> is all about the knowledge if, of. If the you are hardcore about yeah. statistics, not necessarily romanticism of but, the I game mean, or anything like that. They even say it. They even say it in the in yeah. the film. It's hard not to be romantic about baseball. Yeah. It's really really hard. And I'm glad that we decided to do this instead of... It's a good fucking movie. Instead of the movie that we were planning on doing. And I'm sorry, we'll still do The Natural at some point, but Moneyball was a a good choice to end our baseball month on because it is the nitty gritty. It is how professional baseball teams actually work. Yep. It's not a lot of baseball, but it's a lot of the... Okay, how do we get to how do we get the teams to where they need to be? Yeah, if if you've ever been to a baseball game and you're really enjoying the game, but you talk you ask the question of like, well, how come they do this? Or who are the other good players at this position? Or what does that stat mean? What does RBI mean? Right. Things like that. Right. I've had to ask Parker a few times. Like, yeah. I'm like, what's 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 OBS? Like, I yeah. have, I have I you know I've watched baseball my entire life and I still don't know what some of those things mean. And so it's. But they talk all that yeah. shit in this movie. Yep. This movie is basically like, how do you use the stats to approach building a team? Right. Very and f- much. This is pro. It's 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 a foundation story of yeah. how people started using the stats to build a solid baseball team. Yes, they did not go to the playoffs or the World Series. They didn't go there, but they still beat a record. They still had 20 wins in a row, 21 well, wins see, they, in a row. Like, they said that they needed to get 99 wins in order to make it to the playoffs, mm-hmm. or at least to that was like the bare minimum to have a good chance at it. Yeah. And they did it. Yeah. They... They met their goal. Yeah, and it was and it, all based on stats. And it was just that last game they lost. Yeah. And that's just how it goes sometimes. You right. can have a phenomenal winning season. But that, even the best statistical baseball team can have a bad game. Well, they even it's, talk about it. They're yeah. like, you know, you have your overall stats for the season, but, you know, games People are games. People have bad days. People, People have, have bad, bad days. days. People have bad games. Uh, and sometimes it's the entire team has a bad day. That's just how it is. And I fucking love this movie. Yeah. Bud. Like I am sad that. <laughs> now it you took know why me, I watch it like twice a yeah, year. <laughs> I'm sad that it took me ten years to watch it. It came out in 2011, and I saw it for the first time in November of 2021. I don't understand. And I've watched. This is the end. 
and made Multiple references times, to that and fucking made references scene to it when when Jonah Hill is praying to God to kill Jay Baruchel, he's like, "Dear God, it's Jonah from Moneyball." Like, yeah, I like I've I've heard it and I've and I've and I've I'm like, oh okay, but I always thought that it was like a gambling movie. I'm nope. not sure why. I'm not sure why. It's I because it has it was, money in the name. I guess, but I I thought that maybe it was like. I mean, it kind of like is a, a gambling movie when you think about it. I mean, it's, but it's, yes, but it's not gambling in the sense that we know gambling coming from Nevada. Yeah, it's a gamble. It's a gamble of trying out a new system yes. with the hope that it get, yields better results. Yes. Or at least similar results. I think had they had, say, like an extra 10 or $20 million in their budget, they probably would have done a lot better. Oh, yeah. Because they could afford to have I mean, the some fact, better players. I mean, the fact that Billy Bean is still a GM, yeah. that speaks volumes. Oh, yeah. That speaks volumes as to what this one year in which they based this film on did for this team. Well, additionally, if Billy Bean like had not traded Giambi and uh, Pena, Pena, they probably would have lost like twenty. Or they would probably would have won twenty less games, mm-hmm. and Billy Bean might have been fired because right? that was the big fear from his family and stuff was that he was going such a radically different route with managing the team that if it wasn't successful, he was going to be chickened. Right. And, you know, you have to be working at some sports goods place. I mean, just the fact that he was offered that offer from the Red Sox, and then he decided not to and stick with the A's, that is incredible. Yeah. That is incredible because, you know what, he he built a rapport with that team, and he built an emotional relationship with that team. And I think that that really speaks to his character. Mm Mm-hmm as to where his mind was at just the whole thing you know and i don't know how long peter brand stayed on you know we i mean i don't we know. could probably look it up real quick but uh, we're not going to <laughs> um but just the fact that this one year mm-hmm. this one year changed the entire outlook on how you draft on how you pick your players on how everything and it is this this was the clear this season with the Oakland A's is what caused a clear paradigm shift in Major League Baseball from that point forward. Mm-hmm. It may have taken a couple of years for the other teams to really catch on, but except once for the it, Red Sox, <laughs> except for the Red Sox, well, I think it was more of a it was kind of on the owner of whether or not they recognized what was happening. Yeah, and the Red Sox owner happened to realize like. This is fucking huge, and if I don't capitalize on this now, I'm going to miss my chance to get an edge on all the other teams. Yeah. And so, like I said, huge paradigm shift in the way baseball is run, and it's run that way today. Yeah. You know, 20 years later, and will probably continue to be run that way for 50 more. I'm glad they made a movie about it, because it's important. Yeah, this is a good fucking movie. It's a wonderful fucking movie. This This is one of, if not the favorite sports film of mine i would probably put it up there with one of mine this is like at least top three for me yeah same super same and i've only seen it once i'm going to i'm probably going to be like you now that i've seen it and watch it multiple times throughout the year it is incredible i love this film um which reminds me or which brings me to we should probably start rating it because i'm about to have to leave 
Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got, for me, like, this is like nine point five. Oh, dude, super safe. Like, like nine point five. And I was telling, I was telling Parker, I was like, it's kind of like Million Dollar Baby or Sideways. I you, I wouldn't have, say this is like you know super high on the fun scale, but I think it more than makes up for that on the objective scale. This this is like. It breaks through the objective scale oh, 10 yeah. up to 11 and counteracts that. Oh, yeah. The objective scale is through a 10. The roof. A, a 10 for me, if, if, if that's This movie sets out yes. to do exactly what it does mm-hmm. and nails it. Yeah. No, this is, this is cinematic gold. Yeah. This is a great fucking film. And I bet a lot of people wrote this off as the movie that, you know, your older parents go see on a Sunday. Right. Just some boring talkie movie or whatever. If you fucking love sports, you need to watch watch this this film. Even if you don't like fucking baseball, this gives you a better understanding of the non-romantic size. The the, the organs. Yeah. The the, the heartbeat. This will give you a better understanding of just how sports works today. Yes. Just the business side of it. It's it's incredible. I've said it multiple times throughout this, this recording. I am super sad that I hadn't seen it before this. I will probably watch it again just for fun <laughs> here in the upcoming months. Like it is an incredible fucking film. It is top notch. And I actually I'm actually gonna look it up here and see if it won any awards because I don't know. But this was this was the movie that Jonah Hill got nominated for. Yeah. I, like I said, I think that maybe uh it was his first first serious yeah, it very well could have been. Yeah. Cause I don't. I can't remember how much longer before that, like Superbad and all that was. I think Superbad was like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, or yeah, something. Yeah, it couldn't have been too much. Yeah, it couldn't have been too much earlier. I don't know if it won any Oscars, but I think it won some like uh, film festival awards and stuff. This is definitely the kind of movie that would win a film festival. Yes. <laughs> yes. But like I said, like if Let's you see, it won a Critics Choice Award for Best Adapted Screenplay in two thousand twelve. Cool. Uh, National Society of Film Critics Award for Best Actor for Brad Pitt. Okay. New York Film Critics Circle Award for Best Actor Brad Pitt. AFI Movies Award for Brad Pitt. In the Oscars. Mm mm. Nope. But it did win a Iowa Film Critics Award. <laughs> Get after it, bud. A lot of critics world, uh, awards. Uh, yeah, they, but it, it should have won more than it did. Yeah. But let's uh, just put it there. It should have well, at least... It, it also could have been like other movies from that year just kind of I mean, 2011 was kind of pretty... It was actually kind of a big year. I guess. Yeah. I can't remember off the top of my head yeah. what all was that year. But it's kind of one of those things where sports movies do well, but they probably it probably doesn't take much to overshadow them but this is the like i said this is the movie that you're you would think only your parents go watch on a sunday it's like tinker taylor soldier spy great movie very fucking boring but this is not necessarily a boring movie yeah let's see we had the fighter the king's speech oh the king's speech won best picture so yeah black swan the king's speech was a big one um inception the okay. social network. Okay. Um, yeah, so yeah, 2011 was 2007, definitely... 2007, Toy Story 3. Yeah. Alice in Wonderland. Meh. Eh. Meh. But yeah, I mean, between between the King's Speech and... Well, the King's Speech won Best Picture that year, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. So. Uh, best Picture, yeah, the King's Speech, yeah. So yeah. it doesn't. It makes sense. It makes sense. It was just one of those years that 
a incredible movie got overlooked by a slightly better movie. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is definitely an incredible movie. Go fucking watch it, yep. especially if you like sports it's of any kind. It's free on Netflix as of right now. Yes. Um, God only knows how long it'll be there, um, because Netflix is fickle as fuck. When it's it comes always to on Amazon to rent, by the yes. way. Always I've never on seen Amazon it to not rent. on Amazon yep. to rent. Always just assume that the movies that we choose will be on Amazon because it's Amazon. So. Yeah. Um, but that, yeah, that's it. That's Moneyball. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't, I mean, we, we got into it, man. Yeah. We got into it. Um, well, we're both big fans of baseball yes, as it we would are. turn out. Yes, we are. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm honestly excited to, to listen to this one. <laughs> I really am. Um, but we're going into December, which means we're done with baseball and we're going into Christmas. Uh, I fucking hate Christmas. So we are going to well, start no, we, off. We declared war on Christmas. That, that's okay. That's why we're going in. <laughs> that's why we're going in with one of the most debated Christmas movies of all time. It's not even a debate. It is a Christmas it movie. It is a Christmas movie. Okay. <laughs> and it also has Alan Rickman in it. R.I.P. Um, we're going with Die Hard. Yeah. Die hard. <laughs> Die hard next week um, with another Texas beer. And we're excited about it. We're oh, excited yeah. about it. We're going to kind of go kind of funky this Christmas. We have a few <laughs> We have a few fun Christmas movies that we're going to review. Um, but Die Hard is first. And I'm excited about it. It's, oh, been yeah. a, it's, it's been a while since I've watched Die been Hard, a actually. All I, you know, yippee ki motherfucker. Like, like, I'm just, I'm really excited about it. Oh, yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. But thanks for listening to uh, Sent Help. All we have in the Desert is Beer and Movies podcast. Movie recommendations. Beer recommendations. Send them our way. Please. We, we are on Instagram at senthelp underscore beer and movies and on Facebook at senthelp. All we have in the desert is beer and movies colon podcast. Also on Twitter at send underscore bam. We have a Gmail that you can send all your recommendations or business opportunities if you should choose to fucking do that yeah, kind of thing. Our first sponsor was our mother, so <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> My mom said something special. <laughs> <laughs> Who can't even really listen to the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, uh, send help, bam, at gmail.com. If that's your preferred way of contacting us, by all means, do so. I will... I just realized for after what now twenty three episodes, I have not been putting this information in the description. So I will do that. Yeah, start doing that, bud. I yeah, figure it out. Look, I Give don't claim to be the smart fucker. Wow, I don't claim to be the smartest person. I forget things every once in a while. If yeah, I don't the fucking smartest write it person down. that lives in this house. So. I. It's kind of one of those smart and some things, not so much another. So let's, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. And, um, you know, he's like, whoa, what the whoa, fuck? whoa, <laughs> yep. yep. All right. That's it. We'll see you next week. I got to go fucking bowl. Fucking bowl. I got to go fucking bowl, man. Oh my oh, God. God. Let's take that out. Okay.